And welcome to Ray Mahuvim. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. I'm so happy you are joining me on jrootradio.com, which can be found on jrootradio.com and jrootradio hotline, the jrootradio app. So many ways to listen to jrootradio. It is Baruch Hashem amazing. For those of you who are new listeners, here is what we do. We try to learn and develop new skills and tools to renew and strengthen the connection that you have with your spouse. We do this not only from a social science perspective, but we use the Torah as our guide and source of navigation. Welcome back, everyone. Yes, a lot of you who have been in bungalow colonies, upstate, or just away, maybe on trips, the Hulu, all of you who are back, welcome back. There is so much to talk about. Really so much to talk about. So first of all, Bruchem Abayim. Welcome back to all of you who were away. And a special shout out. This is a real, you know, I don't do shout outs. But this is a really big special shout out to all those of you who were at this past Shabbos Uraz Torah Mates retreat. I was there with my wife, Baruch Hashem. It was an amazing, amazing experience. Um, met a lot of, lot of really nice people there. And for those of you, I know, I, I think everybody here today has heard of Ura. You know, we got the, the, the pamphlets, the auctions, the discs, and I want to tell you firsthand, they do amazing, amazing, amazing work. Really amazing work, you know. Ura is about Jewish outreach, Kiv Rechokim, etc. And I want to tell you, just being there was fascinating, Baruch Hashem. I had the schuss of, of, of giving several lectures over there. And it was just a great experience to watch the people, how, you know, every week there are people who are learning with each other over the phone. And studying whatever parts of Torah it is, whatever it is, whether it's Perkyavos, whether it's Gemara, and this is for men, this is for women, they have Torah mates for all. And it's really, really, it was really an incredible experience. A big shout out to everybody who was there. It was a really incredible experience. Okay, now today we are having a very important and very exciting show. This week is a challenging week. Every week is challenging. This week is very, very challenging. Why? Because it's as they say in Yiddish, nishtahin, nishtaher. It's not here, not there, because it's another transitionary week. We're going from camp, upstate, summer, to Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, school, unpacking, shopping. There's a lot of stress, a lot of stress. And some of you may, might, might have already felt it. It's funny, because many people go on vacation this week. But I want to tell you, a lot of the vacations that were going on this week... It could be great for the kids, and it could be sort of great for us, but I will tell you, it, it could be stressful. It could really be stressful. I want to start today's class with a really interesting story that actually happened to me. Yeah, this happened to me and my family. This past summer, we actually went on vacation, and I want to share a story with you. I just want to let you know that uh, the vacation of Baruch Hashem did work out great, and this particular story is going to be an intro to today's class because today's class is going to be sort of a, let's call it an advanced class. I know many of you have heard my Mavatar class. I actually gave that class on uh, this, past, this past weekend, this past Shabbos. We gave that class to a big group, and I'm talking about being Mavatar and all, everything that's involved in being Mavatar. But this is like, I would say, like the second piece of being Mavatar. It's very easy and nice to say, just let it go. Just let it go. I know he's stressing you. I know the children are stressing you. I know there's so much going on. I'm so overwhelmed. I just got to let it go and let it go, let it go. Sounds very easy. But there's another tool that I feel must, must be combined when we're talking about being mavata. Listen to this 
I, I think was an incredible story that happened to us during our past vacation. Now, you know, before the summer, I gave a class on what? On vacations, on Kiddush Hashem, and the fact that when we're going out, we have to remember who, we, who and what we represent, that, you know, we, we, we are, right? I mean, Kalam, we're, we're basically a role model for all the Yidden out there, right? All the from Yidden out there, all the religious Jews out there. And we have to be very careful to try to sanctify, sanctify Hashem's name, to make a Kiddush Hashem, and not Hashem to make a Chilul Hashem. So, you know, I better practice what I preach, and I was very, Baruch Hashem, me, my family, my kids, we all had a, we had a talk beforehand that we're going to be very, very careful, do whatever we can not, to God forbid, desecrate Hashem's name, create anybody to say, oh, those Jews, whatever it is. So everything we did, you know, we were very friendly, we always, you know, we, I told the kids not to, not to jump out of the car, and just like, you know, just be sure to make and display a really great role model for everyone. So here's what happens. And I can, I'm not going to give you specifics. Maybe you'll figure it out. But, you know, I think it's best not to give you specifics. You'll hear the story. I think it's a great story. So what happens is my family and I decided, you know, we're going to go away for a couple of days. It's a vacation. Where are we going to go? We're going to go to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And we're going to go to, you know, we're going to go first. We went to, uh, we went to there's Lancaster, the Amish. And, and it was amazing there because actually, you know, you think, everybody thinks, oh, I'm going on vacation alone. I figure out this place where to go. And of course, you know, we're all looking for a minion, right? We want to find a minion. We could have it in the morning. Happens to be there's a base medrash in Lancaster. And, you know, I, I figure, okay, I found a minion there. Isn't that great? I figure maybe we have a minion. Maybe we have 10 people, 20 people. The place was jam-packed, ladies and gentlemen. I want to tell you, I... I I, I don't dive in the morning with so many people. Literally, there were so many people there. I would say over you know, 150 people just packed in this one base marriage. And it was funny because the rabbi said that during the year they don't really have a minion, and during the week at least, and it's only during the summer that they have a minion. But it was really, really beautiful experience. Okay. The following day, we decided to go to, a, let's say, a certain park, a certain place, okay, an unnamed place. And we're not big amusement park places for all sorts of reasons, and I'm not going to get into why amusement parks aren't necessarily the best places to go always, but I'm not saying it's a bad place to go, but we're not amusement parks. But we wanted to go to this certain park, and there's an exhibit outside the park. We actually don't have to go into the park. You just go to this particular exhibit outside the park. And that's where we were going to go. So we spent the day in Lancaster and whatnot. Now what do we do? We, in the evening, we figured, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go to this park. And somewhere around going to the park or being at the park, what we're going to do is we're going to, we, we, had, we had a grill, a barbecue grill. We bought meat and stuff, frozen, and the kids were all excited. And we said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to barbecue. Now, like I did say this before the summer, and I still believe in this. It's always best to find a park because you don't want to find, you don't want to grill in the back of a hotel or a motel. You don't want to grill in some place that you think it's sort of okay, because you could create a big chil Hashem, so you have to be careful. Okay, so we're going to this park, which we know closes late, right, this, and it has an exhibit outside of it, this amusement park, and I'm thinking, I'm talking to my wife, and I'm thinking, you know what, why don't we stop first at a park, do the barbecue, and then we can go to this other park. But then as I'm talking to her, I'm realizing, that's great, but I really wanted to dive a mincha and mayrav with a minion. I really did. I'm not saying you have to, and halacha, just distance a certain amount of mil, the chulu. But I wanted to dive a mincha and with a minion. And I figured at this park, there's probably going to be a lot of Jews there, and I could probably chop a minion. 
So I'll go to the park, and best would be if I hop a minion over there, and then we could do our barbecue. So I'm thinking, but one second, where are we going to do our barbecue? Is there places there to do it? Could we do it? I said, you know, let's call the park up and ask them, is there a place, like a picnic area we could do, and we can have our, we could do our barbecue grill. So we call the park up, and we speak to them, and we tell them, here's a story, we're coming down, do you, have, do you have a picnic area? Yeah, sure, we have a picnic area. Could we grill over there? Could we do a barbecue? We have our own grill. Is that okay? So the lady says, hold on a second, let me, let me speak to the head of security. So she calls the head of security, and uh, like you can hear her speaking to the head of security, and then after like five minutes, she comes out, she's like, yeah, absolutely, not a problem. I spoke to the head of security, you could definitely grill, it's not a problem. People grill there all the time, not a problem. I'm like, okay, Baruch Hashem, so we have a great plan. So we go there, we go to the park, we go to the exhibit, there are the in there, and everything works out well. And after that, okay, we're going to do our barbecue. And for some reason, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know why, you know, you have to trust your sixth sense. Ladies probably could relate to this much better than men can, right? You have Bina, we don't have that, Bina. We have Bina, but not as developed as you have. So that sixth sense was telling me, um, yes, don't, don't, just, don't just do it. Just find out again. Find out if you're allowed to do it. Double check. You don't want to get in trouble, and of course, you don't want to make a chil So I go to one of the security guards there, and I say to the security guard, where's the picnic area? So he tells me, yeah, make a right and a left, and there's a picnic area over there. Fine. Then I say to him, I say to the security guard, um, is it okay if I grill there? I don't know why I asked it. I already spoke to the head of the lady who spoke to the head. Yeah, 100%. You could definitely grill over there. Not a problem. I say, you're sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm there with my son. <laughs> I'm there with my son. And I look at this man. And I say to him, can you just tell me your name? <clears throat> Excuse me. So he says, okay, my name is, uh, is let's say he says his name is Douglas. Okay, my name is Douglas. I say, okay, Douglas, thank you. This way, in case there's someone has any complaints, I have Douglas. And I just that sixth sense was telling me, be careful, watch out. You don't want to make a chal even though I got permission, had a security, they do it all the time, fine. We unpack the grill, uh, the barbecue grill from the car, and we take it out, and we're about to start it up. And I tell my son, I say to him, you know what, maybe put it a little in the back. Don't, put, don't have it in the front, the front of the parking lot. He's like, why not? We got permission. Ta, what do you mean? We got permission. You didn't want to make a chalashem. It's not a problem. Here's the picnic area people do all the time. I'm like, do me a favor. Could you just take, take the grill and just put it all in the back? I don't want to show people. I don't know. I'm just concerned about this. And he says to me, he says to me, why? I said, no, just do it. Fine. So we do it. And we go to the back and we light up the grill. And it's like, you know, when you light it up, it has like the, the charcoal and the lighter fluid in it. So we light it up and there was a big fire that came out. And again, I said to my son, can you give me, cover it up. I'm like, he's like, why? I'm like, I don't know, just cover it up. I, I don't know. Okay. And he's like, Tabo, what's the problem? Okay. So he's sort of covering it up and opening, covering it up. And as we're doing this, a security guard approaches us. And I'm like, oh no, I don't believe this. I, what? What is going on here? He comes over to us and he says, um, sir, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm doing a grill. There's a barbecue grill. I spoke to the head of security. They told me it's fine. They say, I don't know that that's allowed. I'm like, you know, if you don't believe me, I, I'll tell you, here's the number I called. And uh, I just spoke to a man by the name of, of Douglas. He's security. He's like, Douglas, yeah, Douglas. And he said, you're allowed to do it. He's like, really? Okay, fine. And he walks away. And I'm like, oh, oh, I don't know. This doesn't seem good. Something, I don't know. Okay, fine. So, you know, waiting till the, those of you who do grills, you know, the outdoor grills, you have to wait till the charcoal, till the fire goes out and the charcoal turns white. And we're doing that and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. 
And as we're standing there, me and my son, all of a sudden, I, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this is funny. I could tell you a battalion of people come out of the building, security guards. I'm, like six people come out of the security guard, led by a woman who's, I could see her face. She like had like resentment and, and just like, I'm not going to say, I, I said my daughter, she was so upset, so upset. And I see it on her face. I, I see she's out to get me now. They're going to, they're just, I don't know what they're going to do to me. I, I really have no idea. They walk out. They walk out. This whole battalion of people, armed, they weren't armed. I don't know. All I could tell you, it was scary. And my son's like, what's going on here? I'm like, no, let's deal with it. Hashem will help us. It'll be fine. And they come over to us. And I know, I, clearly at this point, okay, something's wrong here. We got permission, but they're not happy. Something's going on. Fine. So we walk towards them. And instead of me like walking over to her, this is the, the woman who's in charge, and saying to her, what's the problem? What's going on? Is there a problem? over to her and I knew exactly what the issue was I walked over and she looks at me she was ready to blast me I, I could tell by the look she's ready to blast me and I say to this woman I say to her you know it seems like you're probably very very upset how dare we just come here with our charcoal grill light it up and do a barbecue that's probably very frustrating for you I say to her and she says to me, exactly, how did you know, sir? I'm like, I don't know, I just knew. <laughs> I'm a therapist, whatever. So she says to me, she says to me, can you explain? I'm like, I know you probably want me to explain. Like, what are we, crazy? We're just like barbecue grill in the middle of a park? I said to her, ma'am, let me just explain you something. I did not just do this. I know you think I just came, I just landed here. I did not do this. I actually called the park up. They connected me to the head of security. The head of security told us that you're allowed. She's like, what are you talking about, head of security? I'm the head of the park. You cannot do this. I'm like, okay, not a problem, not a problem. Please don't be sad, not a problem. I have no problem. We'll put it out. Not a problem. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't know what we're going to eat tonight. But okay, not a problem. So she says, okay. I said, here, but again, I just wanted to explain to you. I, I did not just land here and do this. I, she's like, who do you speak to? So I say to her, I, first of all, I call this number. She's like looking at the number. And second of all, I just spoke to someone in, in the park a security officer. What's his name? His name is Douglas. Douglas? Yeah, Douglas. That's his name. And, and he just let, he says, Douglas, we don't have a Douglas here. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. You don't have a Douglas here? Like, am I dreaming here? I just spoke. I was with my son. And I look at my son like, didn't we? He's like, yeah. We don't have Douglas. And she, I'm like, Douglas? So she thinks for a second. She says, oh, you mean Douglin? I'm like, yeah, Douglin. I'm sorry. And, oh, Douglin told you that? I'm like, he tells us you're allowed to do this. I, I don't know. And she looks at me, and now she's like questioning me. She says, where did you call? What number did you call? So I showed her the number. And she's like, what number is that? And I call the number. And you hear the, you know, the welcoming, welcome to so-and-so park. If you have any questions, blah, blah, blah. And we're both listening together. And she looks, she looks, at this point, she looks confused. Because she sees I'm not lying to her. I earnestly and really tried to do the right thing. I don't want to go out and just like light up a barbecue in your park. I try, and she's looking at me, and she's thinking like, what's going on? And in the middle, she's like, Oh, you didn't call the park. You called the resort. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's the same name, but it's not the park. It's the resort where the hotel is. And she looks at me, and I look at her, and at this point, she realizes that I really didn't do anything wrong here. As a matter of fact, the fact that she came out with a whole battalion of officers, a little chutzpah and now she feels bad. She goes, oh, okay, sir. All right. Okay, I didn't realize that. Actually, you call the resort. The resort, indeed, they allow the barbecue reels, but we here in the park, we don't allow it. 
I'm like, okay, fine. Thank you very much. I will close it up. Can I just ask you a question? Do you have any idea where we could do a grill around here? Because my kids are hungry. It's very, very late at night. What do I do? Where do I go? She says, not a problem. I'll tell you what. You go down the road. She tells me, go down the road, turn right, turn left. And over there, there's, there's a camping ground. And that camping ground here, I'll get you the number and you call them up. She goes back. She's like, come with me to my office. We go back to her office. Now she's being nice to me. She's being good to me. And she's showing me the map and she's giving me the phone number and this and that and the other thing. Fine. Come back to my wife and kids. They thought it was all very interesting, the story, and exciting. Not my wife exactly. She's obviously like, the kids need supper, but Baruch Hashem, my wife, you know. Those of you who know my wife, she's an amazing woman. And what happens? She says, no problem, we'll figure it out. So what happens is we end up deciding that we're going to go to the campground. The problem is that we just used up our charcoal. So we have to go to a supermarket to get new charcoal. And after we get the charcoal, then we could go to the campground. And it was like, oh, we're not going to get out of here until who knows what time. And I got to get back home. Fine, we get to the campground, ladies and gentlemen. At the campground, you have to reserve a spot. You can't just light a fire there. You have to reserve a spot. And I'm thinking to myself, are these people going to like allow me to do this? I didn't reserve. I'm just coming here. Okay, but I can ask. You know, you can always ask. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to tell you, I came to the campground. There was an elderly, and I, I picked up the phone. You call up, whatever. And along comes, you know, in one of these, in one of these golf carts, an older man and woman. It's an older man and woman. They come. They're in their golf cart. They're married. And they come to me, and they're like, what's going on, sir? And I tell them the whole story. And they're looking at me, and they're thinking, wow, you, your kids must be really hungry. I'm like, yes, they are. It's like, and you're probably thinking, we can't help you because there's no reservation. I'm like, right. They're like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll work it out for you. We'll work it out for you. We'll get you a spot. It's not an official spot. It's here, this spot in the grass. You could do your barbecue. It's all good. They were so nice. They were so wonderful. They were so good. And at that point, I felt like, you know, when, when I was at this park, this unnamed park, which some of you might have figured it out already, and this whole fiasco happened to me and my family. I'm thinking to myself, I just don't, I don't hop it. Like, I, I really tried to make a Kiddush Hashem. I didn't want to make a Chil Hashem. I, I really wanted to do the right thing. And it just, like, didn't work out. But, you know, Gamzul Tova. And when I came to, the, and we passed the test. And when we came to the next place, the campground, they were so nice. Like, wow, Hashem, thank you so much. I love you, Hashem. Thank you so much. These people are so nice. But, you know, the first person could have been nice also. She wasn't so nice in the beginning. She was ready to attack me. Can I blame her? I can't really blame her. Honestly, I can't really blame her. Why? Because I don't even know if she's, I don't know if she's Jewish, not Jewish, even if she is. There's a concept that we have called being done. Judge every person favorably. It's an incredibly, incredibly difficult task for everyone. I'm telling you. Sales <laughs> my customer. It's very, very hard to be down Especially your spouse. Not just especially. Double, triple, quadruple your spouse. It is so hard to be down our spouse and or our children. This week. I can almost guarantee you we are going to be challenged with the test of being done. Likav schus. It's a very, very hard challenge to be done. Likav schus to, to judge people favorably. It's very, very hard because I don't understand. You tell your child you 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 came back from camp five days ago, and I'm coming into your room. Your stuff is still over the place. You didn't pack. Shabbos is coming. Like I don't get it. Like you can't have we can't have this place flying all over the place. Speaking to your son or your daughter. 
or your husband who hasn't unpacked, or you want to go shopping with the kids, and you come over to your husband, and you tell your husband, you know, Miriam has to get a new book bag. Maishi needs to get new shoes. And he's giving you the business. It's like, you're giving me the business? I, I don't understand. We just went on vacation, spent all this money, and now you're giving me this business because I want to get a book bag or shoes for my kid. Like, I don't understand this. I, I just don't understand. You, you obviously don't care. You only care about yourself. That's how we feel. That's how we feel. And it upsets us. I'm not saying about all of us, but it's, it upsets us. It gets under our, it, it, like, like, under our skin. It's like, I don't believe this. Like, you don't care. It could work the other way around. Husbands to wives, right? Husbands to wives. Coming back, maybe the house is not clean. Maybe the laundry is not done. I understand, we're here for who knows how long, okay? The laundry is not done. Like, how long do I have to wait for my towels and, and, and for my socks? And we get really upset. Just like these transitionary week. besides the fact that many of our children are home, for those of us who have children, many of us are children are home. And when children are home, they got to be busy because if they're not busy, they get bored. They get bored, they start fighting with each other. And we have to stop this fight and that fight and the screaming and this and that. It's a very, very hard week. That's why, of course, we have to be mevater, which means we have to forego. We have to let go of our, what we call hakpada, sense of justice, being right, not being wrong, and not just being right and being wrong, but serving justice and say, my child deserves to be screamed at. My husband just deserves to be criticized. How many times did I tell him already? School is starting in two days. He hasn't bought a Gemara for, for, for Yeshua. He hasn't gotten shoes. I don't have the money. He has the money. I'm just giving you an example. Or a different situation where the husband is upset, upset you know, at, at, at his wife. Because what? Because he comes back home and he told his wife that you know next week he's going back to work and he asked her nicely that to take the bed out of his out of the office, even though the kids were sleeping there during the night. But now he needs his off his home office again. And it's not happening stories that I'm hearing. So it's like, whoa, whoa, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. So guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Of course it's stressful. Of course it's challenging. Of course it's hard. Why? Because it's Erev Rosh Hashanah. What am I talking about? It's an opportunity. It really is an opportunity. I know these things are so frustrating. So, so, so frustrating. Things could be frustrating at home. Some of you are at a very high level. Some of you are at a lower level. Everybody's some sort of level, right? It's very hard. Transition is not easy. It's just it's stressful. What do we do with all this stress? It's overwhelming. How do I deal with it? Well, you know what? Guess what? It really is an opportunity to connect to Hashem before Hashem, before Yom Kippur. Hashem is the one who's constantly letting go. We have to let go. How important is it to let go? We spoke about the Gemara Tainis. Hey, Ahmed Beis, what does it say? Listen to this amazing, amazing story. Rabbi Eliezer, it wasn't raining in, in, in uh, I think it was Eretz Yisrael. It wasn't raining, right? The Gemara says it wasn't raining. So they were davening, they were praying for rain. Rabbi Lezer, he goes before the Aron HaKodesh, before the, before the Ark, and he recites 24 brachas, and it wasn't answered, it still wasn't raining. Rabbi Akiva, he goes after him, and what does Rabbi Akiva say? Rabbi Akiva says, Avinu Malkeinu, our father, our king, we have no king other than you. We have, right, for your sake, have compassion for us. What happens immediately? It starts raining. So the, the, Rabbanim, the, the rabbis were speaking negatively about Rabbi Eliezer, as if to say, I'm saying they were speaking negatively, but they were saying, what's going on? Rabbi Eliezer prays, nothing happens. And Rabbi Kiva, so a bat call, a heavenly voice comes out from Shemayim and says, 
It is not because this one is greater than that one, but because this one is Mavir al Midosav. This one foregoes on his character, and this one is and this one is not Mavir al Midosav. Now, don't get me wrong. There's no question about it that Rabbi Eliezer would was Mavater. We're talking about that. I'm here. We're talking about people who were. We don't even understand how great these people are. But at the level, their level, comparatively, whatever this means, Rabbi Akiva was Mavater more. And for those of us who know the story of Rabbi Akiva, for those of us who knows how many, how much he was Mavater, for years and years and years he was he was. Like nothing as if to say. And he, he made it, he was like a self-made person for 24 years, right? He didn't go home, came back. We all know the story of Akiva. Lost all his students, but still kept on going. That power of being mevater, that's what, that was transformative. And it's not just transformative, ladies and gentlemen, for Rabbi Akiva, for Rabbi Eliezer, in the Gemara, in the Brisa, in the Mishnah. This is real stuff right here, right now. We are going to be challenged to be mevater. You know, I gave I gave a mevater class this past this past week on Shabbos, whatnot, and 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 we spoke about it. And a lot of ladies said to me, "You know what? I hear what you're saying, Rabbi Greenfield, and thank you so much, Bakshan. They were so thankful. I'd love to have some more skills and tools on how to do it. And today we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about how to how to let go, how to let go. Call him mevater al midosav mavirinlo kol pishov. You know, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is scary. Roshana is not so scary. Roshana is yamtif. But Yom Kippur is scary. Like, oh, I'm be judged for the whole year. Whoa, I got to be careful. Sersi made tshuva. What am I going to do? My gosh, it's a court case. and It's all about me. It's, it's scary in a way. But you know what? If you're, it, first of all, it shouldn't be scary because it happens to be anyway. Remember, the judge is our father. You know, Avinu Malkain, that's the judge. You know, you come to a court case and you look at the judge as your father. It's a different story. It's a whole different picture, right? Rewrite the narrative there. But there's another very big piece here, ladies and gentlemen. That's like this. That what? That is, if you're mevater, if you forego, and I could almost promise you, you are going to have the opportunity to let go. This week, next week, today, today. People are going to get on your nerves, and not just people, especially the people in your nuclear family. The people, your children, your husbands, your wives, going to get on your nerves, be upset. If you're mevater, and you let go, you could think to yourself, wow, I'll, I just let go. It, yeah, it wasn't fair. He doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve it. But, you know, I let go anyways, and Hashem's going to let go for me. That's amazing. I'm coming in, like, armed into Yom Kippur. I could be so relaxed. Of course, we have to daven. But, you know, I, I let go. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to let go. And there are stories and stories and stories about this. I just don't have time to get into it, of Mida Kineg and Mida, that what it is, basically, Hashem looks at us and says, well, you want me to forego for you? Who did you forego for? Who did you let go for? Now, by the way, letting go, I, I, it's funny, I just mentioned this to someone yesterday. Letting go doesn't mean, okay, there's two levels of letting go. First level of letting go is, oh, could I go to my sister for Shabbos? Oh, I really don't want to go. But can we please go? I really don't want to go. But can we please go? Okay, I'll go for you. Okay, it's being mevater. It's a big being mevater. But then there's the being mevater when you feel slighted. You feel slighted by your husband, by your wife. They said something to slight you. We're gonna t- or did something. We'll talk about it soon. We're going to break it apart. We did it last week. I played it last week. We're going to break it apart. But when you feel slighted by your spouse and you feel like, how, how do you talk to me that way? Is that, what? What did you just say? Excuse me? Or when you see that, that your spouse is, is just losing control completely, completely losing control, and you understand, what did I do that you're getting so upset? What, what are you getting so upset for, right? And then we're mevater. 
real, real, real mevater, it's not real, but I should say higher level mevater, is I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm still letting it go. Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear what I'm saying? This is very, very important. I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm still letting it go. You know why I'm doing it? I'm doing it for Hashem. I'm not telling it to you. I'm not doing it for Hashem. I'm doing it for God. Or, don't have so much emunah? Fine. I'm doing it for you. Or, I'm doing it for myself. Because <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm going to be a happier camper. But when we plug into that world of being mevater, then we have an issue, this, this midah connected midah, which means measure for sh- measure, comes Rosh Hashanah, comes Yom Kippur. Ladies and gentlemen, you could dive in and feel so good about yourselves because, you just, of course, you're begging Hashem for mercy. We're always begging Hashem for mercy. But you've shown Hashem that you let go. So now Hashem, can we be midah connected midah, can let go. Again, I'm not talking, you know, you have to be a big rabbi, so big this, I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm no big rabbi here. I'm, I'm just, what I am telling you is that this is, this is very posh, this is simple. This is very, very simple. You plug into the world of letting go, Hashem will let go for us. Does that mean I always have to let go, Rabbi Greenfield? Do I always have to let go? Of course not. And we spoke about exceptions. Maybe I'll have a chance to do this at the end of the show. But generally, yes. Especially now before Yamadin. It's an amazing thing to let go. But it's hard for me to let go, Rabbi Greenfield. You know, my husband drives me nuts. My, my wife drives me nuts. I'm not saying that he drives you nuts all the time. But there are times where, right? Because we're different people. We think, feel, perceive, love, appreciate differently. Of course we're different. So what do I do? Okay, ladies. Gentlemen, be mavater, be mavater, let it go. But it's hard. Okay, I'm going to speak about a tool in a second, which is pivotal. And that's the tool of being down the kavschos and how we can fit that in to try to be mavater. Because there's no way in the world that, I don't think there's a way in the world in certain scenarios to let go unless you're down the kavschos, until, unless you judge, some, judge your, your spouse or your children favorably. First, I want to talk about something else. It will be much easier for you to be mavater, to let go, to forego, if you fed your marriage with healthy food. Yes, if you fed your marriage with healthy food. Giant Stern says, talking about attention to your spouse, appreciation to your spouse, affection to your spouse. These are pivotal on a daily basis. I would say if you want to be mavater, this especially, you always, always want to be mavater, but especially you want to start exercising the, your mavater muscles, right? You want to start exercising them now, before Yom Adin. We, want to, we all want to do it, right? Because we want Hashem to judge us favorably. I would say, do not just be mavater, but feed your marriage with healthy food, meaning feed your marriage really with healthy behavior. In the morning, how do you sleep? How are you? I was thinking about you call your spouse during the day. Leave him text both ways, both men and women I'm talking to right now. Of course, the initial obligation generally I say is for the men. They initiate. So we have the Torah. But you know what? There are exceptions to that. And I would say from both ends, initiate, initiate, and initiate some more. Show love. And maybe next, next class, maybe next week, Zerat Hashem, will focus on different, you know, there's, there's, there's a book called The Five Love Languages, and we're talking about different ways to provide your spouse with their primary needs, their primary emotional needs I'm talking about. Everybody's got a different, you know, everybody has a different language. We'll talk about it next week, Zerat Hashem. So you could tune in next week. But right now, 
what I want to tell you is that whatever you know makes your spouse happy, whether that means, even small things, whether that means to wake up in the morning and ask how they slept, whether that means to send a text message thinking about you, whether that means to, when you go to the, to the grocery, to pick up something special for your spouse, maybe it means a lot to your spouse, whether it means to spend quality time with your spouse that you usually don't, maybe give extra quality time to your spouse, you'll see it'll be so much easier to be mevater. It's very easy for me to sit here behind the microphone and tell you, let it go, let it go, let it go, forgo, forgo, forgo. Sure, it's easy. Of course it's easy. But if you want to make it really happen, want to make it happen, feed your marriage with the healthy food. Give your marriage what it needs to, to be mevater. Empower your marriage with all the things that we're talking about. Next week we'll talk about it more. That's number one. Why are you getting so upset? Why are you getting so upset? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm not talking to my audience. I'm talking about what you hear from your spouse, right? Why are you getting so upset? Why are you getting so upset? You're so upset. Like, what are you flipping out for? Like, what happened? What did I do already? Okay, I came late. Okay, I didn't leave you money. Okay, I, I touched the, th the, the air conditioning. O okay, I didn't help you with the kids. Why are you getting so upset? Why are you getting so upset? Like, you're losing control. I, I don't understand this. I don't understand. And, and like, I don't understand, right? So what you want to say to your spouse is, what do you care why I'm getting upset? Why don't you just apologize? Say I'm sorry and get it over with. Take accountability and let's move on. But why? You want to start a fight? Is that what you want to do? Why are you getting so upset? Okay, let's talk about why they're getting so upset, okay? Let's talk about why they're getting so upset. What we're going to do is we are going to focus on the pirates that we did last week. Played for you last week, actually. I wasn't around, but played for you, right? And that is all the reasons why you are upset or feel hurt by your spouse, right? Pir pirates. P-I-R-A-T-E-S, right? P stands for what? Pet peeves, right? So, it's the summer. And everybody loves watermelon. Because watermelon is just a great, refreshing thing. You buy it, and it's like after a hot day, you have watermelon. All the kids enjoy, the family enjoys. Cut up the watermelon. Very, very nice. So, you come to the, right? You're you were in a very big rush. You're very big rush. Your kids wanted watermelon, right? Let's say I'm talking to the men over here now, okay? Because women don't usually do this. But you're in a rush, and the kids want watermelon, and you did not exactly have a knife that could cut the whole watermelon. What you did have was a spoon, and the spoon could scoop out the watermelon, but it can't cut the watermelon. So your kids are like stressing you, and they want watermelon, want watermelon. So you take the spoon, and you carve out the watermelon from inside, and you give all the kids the watermelon, and they're enjoying it, and it's great. And then your wife comes, and she looks into the fridge, and she's like, who butchered the watermelon? And you're like, who butchered the watermelon? I mean, who butchered the watermelon? What, what are you talking about? Look at this watermelon. It's, it's butchered up. You, you did this? I don't understand. Why did you butcher it up? Why? And you're thinking, she's getting so upset. And you're feeling so hurt because I just took care of our children for us, giving them watermelon because they were hungry, and, 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 there's, and there's no camp anymore. And it was a crazy day. I calmed them down. And all you have to say is who butchered up the watermelon? I'm not understanding this. And you're getting so upset. You're getting so upset. And you're flipping out. You get so upset. It's crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you so upset? Ladies and gentlemen, let's understand two things. And this is where Dan Lekavschus comes in. First of all, the reason your wife is so upset is because, number one, she probably has her hats on. She probably has her hats on, meaning she's hungry, angry, tired, or stressed, maybe physiological, but I will tell you, 
probably has her hats on. If she doesn't have her hats on, let me tell you why she's getting upset. The reason she's getting upset is because she begged you already 25 times whenever you cut the wood on to please use a regular knife and cut it nicely because it makes her crazy whatever. And she's asked you again and again and again and again. And here you are, you don't do it. Of course she's upset. Of course she's upset. Now you might say, what do you mean? Why doesn't she be down the kaf's chus? And understand that this was an emergency situation. It wasn't a regular situation. I had to scoop it out. Is she a tzedekis? Is she like a sari menu, a rachali menu? Again, we're normal people. We're human beings. We get upset. Let it go, guys. Let it go. Don't, don't, don't get entangled in your wife's upsetness. Because if you are, you're going to feud, you're going to gridlock, and you're going to end up fighting, and you're going to fight about the fight. You hear me? You're not going to fight. You're going to fight about the way you're talking to each other, and at the end you're going to be upset at each other for the way you're talking to each other. It's not about the watermelon anymore. It's, about, it's a whole other thing now. You hear? It's a, whole, it's a whole other fight now. We're fighting about the way we fight, about what we said to each other. Why? Because I got entangled in your stress, in your fight. So number one, she's getting upset because she told you a million times. I'm not saying she's right. By the way, man, I'm not saying she's right. She could be 100% wrong. This is about being mavata. We're not talking about right and wrong. They're not judging. You want to take her to court? You're right. You're right. 100%. You're right. You are right. She is wrong. But you know what? We're talking about being mavata. We're talking about letting go, right? So now, Rabbi Greenfield will say, let it go, let it go, let it go. Just let it go. She's upset. Say, I'm sorry. Move on. It's very hard. What do you want from me? I'm very upset. You know, my wife is like going crazy over here. I mean, what's going on? The guy will say, right? I say to him, try to be down the kafschus. First of all, give yourself time. Like, don't give yourself time. Let, let it just fizzle. If you can't get over, let it just fizzle. Let her just do her thing. I know you want to defend yourself, but just let it. You could say to her, I didn't realize. I'm sorry. I was scooping it out. The kids, whatever it is, instead of getting into a fight. But here's where down the kafschus is so important. Because you know why your wife is upset? First of all, she told you a million times, let's say she didn't. Even if she didn't, chances are, and I'm telling you, this is so common in her childhood, she saw this all the time. She maybe saw her father butchering up the watermelon and her mother getting upset. Or her mother butchering up the watermelon and her father getting upset. Or this is something she saw in somebody else's house. This is something, a pet peeve, that it just drives her crazy. It just drives her crazy, so let's respect her for that. Let's respect her, and that's why it's bringing a lot of bad memories. That's number one. That's the first reason that it's happening. Number two, she might have had a really hard day herself. Why? Because you didn't want to... The, the, the yeshiva is calling you for tuition. You want to register your kid, but you haven't paid tuition last year. So yeshiva is calling you to negotiate this year's... to, to, to pay this year's tuition, and you don't feel comfortable speaking to your wife. So you told your wife to negotiate the tuition with the yeshiva. And now she had a whole stressful time because she feels like she's the man now. She's supposed to be the man or whatever it is. And she's gone through a lot of stress. Now she comes and she's the watermelon. She's really upset. So she's really displacing her stress of the day onto the watermelon. She might not realize that. Don't tell her that. Don't tell her, oh, you're, getting, you're upset at something else. Don't tell her that. Just be macabre. Let it go, forego. She has a lot of good excuses for why she's being upset. There are really a lot of good excuses for her. Therefore, I tell you, plug into the world of being of being mavater, but more. The only way you could do it is if you're down like half and think to yourself, okay, something's going on here. She probably had a hard day. She probably had to deal with the kids the whole day. They're all home, and, and it was very hard for her. She probably, uh, maybe she didn't sleep last night because she was doing laundry all night because they just came back from vacation. There could be a million reasons, right? There could be a million reasons. 
Now, I'm talking now to the men. Women, it, it, honestly, it applies to you the same. It really applies both ways here. If you see that your husband's getting upset, all upset about silly things, you're coming over to him asking for shoes for the kids, and he goes crazy. He's like, whoa. It's like, what are you getting so upset? I'm just asking for shoes for the kids. Don't fight with him. He's had a hard time at work. He's getting bills now that he hasn't expected. He has insurance bills. He has heating bills. He has camp bills. He has tuition bills. He's really, really stressed financially. Men get very, very stressed financially. Because for a man also, when a man doesn't provide financially, when he can't provide, he feels he can't provide, not, oh, I can't provide. It, it, it makes him feel also like very down, like he can't provide for his family. Of course, it's from a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Of course, Hashem decides. But it's an Asayan for every man because a man wants to provide, Right? Certain families, colo families, it might work the other way around. But generally, there's a very, very big for, for men to provide financially. So, so the point is, you don't know the context. Believe you me, you do not know the context. If you would sit with your spouse and say to them, okay, can you tell me a little bit about your day? What happened? You would hear so many things, you'd be blown away. I'm serious. If you would sit with your spouse and ask them, tell me about your day. Before you get upset at them for them being upset, you hear me? Before you're upset at your spouse for them being upset and for them losing it, you would sit with them and say to them, okay, okay, no problem, whatever, you just let it go, let it go. Mavata, 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 Hashem, I'm sure there's a good reason. By the way, I'm sa- I know this is very hard. This is very, very hard. But remember, this is before Yemen Din over here, like these are such amazing schusim. It's about I'm right and you're wrong. That's what it's about. But I'm still letting it go. I'm right, you're wrong. But I'm still letting it go. Why am I letting it go? I'm doing it for Hashem. I'm doing it for God. If you can't do it for Hashem, I'm doing it for you. Because at the end of the day, I really do care about you and love you. Or, number three, I'm doing it for myself because I'm going to be a happier camper at the end. So that's with the, with the pet peeves. And if you would speak to your spouse afterwards, you would totally understand why they got so upset. Because they had such a stressful day. There's such context. They're not out to get you. Your spouse is not out to get you. It's an asylum from Hashem. It's a test from HaKadosh Baruch who's giving you a test. This is a test. If, you know, if it would be funny, if like a baskal, a heavenly voice would come down and say, oh, this is a test, then you would know. You'd be, you'd, be, you'd be prepared, right? But that's it. Next of the pirates, the I, the insult. You contradicted me in front of my mother, in front of my father. That wasn't nice. That's really not nice. That was very insulting. Or you implied that I, nev- that I, I don't do things. You, you're asking me questions that imply negativity. I'll give you an example. Give you an example. We're talking about we say insults, okay? Here, for example, your husband says to you, "Oh, right, you come to the Shabbos table, this Shabbos, and right, it was a crazy week, and nobody helped you. You're all doing everything yourself. The kids are out. No one offers to help, and the Shabbos table is ready. And, and you, there's one thing you forgot. You know, you forgot to put an extra set of forks out. And your husband comes to the Shabbos table, and what does he say? Oh, I see. Uh, he says, I think you forgot to put out the forks again. And you're thinking, what? You think I forgot to put out the forks again? Can you say that again? Like, are you serious? I forgot to put out the forks again? That's all you think? You don't appreciate? You don't think? You're not thoughtful? All you care is about yourself? I, I, that's so upsetting. Really? So you, you turn to your husband and you say, you know what? You get the forks and you do it yourself. And it becomes a whole fight in front of the children, Nebuch, right? Or your husband says, I see you didn't have the chance to do the laundry yet. What? I didn't have a chance to do the laundry. You know what time we came back from vacation. Like, are you serious? I've been up all night. And the next day I was unpacking. I didn't have a chance to do the laundry. You're complaining about towels and, and the fact that you don't have socks and underwear. Are you serious? I don't believe this. Or, gentlemen, your wife is upset at you. And she comes to you. And she says to you, 
something like, oh, great. Looks like, I, looks like I'm not even going to bother to ask you to clean up, to clean up the, the table anymore. I'm not even going to ask you to, I'm not going to bother asking you anymore. You're not going to bother asking me? You know how busy I was? Not, and you know what I was busy with? I was busy working out the tuition for the kids. I was busy taking care of the insurance. I was busy working for our family. And all you have to say is I'm not even going to bother? Like, that's implied criticism. That's not nice, right? Or, or sometimes men might hear from their wives, I don't even know why I'm asking you anymore. You know, this type of language is coming from autopilot. That's where this is coming from. Your spouse is not really hating you. They don't hate your guts and think you're horrible, even though that's how you feel. I know that's how you feel. But you know what? They're not, they're, they're not feeling that. They're very frustrated. They're very, very frustrated. But you feel insulted. You feel like your spouse doesn't care about you. You feel like your husband doesn't appreciate the fact that you had absolutely no help this Erev Shabbos because every, everybody was busy with their own thing and you had to clean, cook, do the laundry, which was late this time, and prepare for Shabbos. And all your husband has to say is, is that you didn't put out the extra, set of, the extra set of forks, right? That's not nice. That's an assumption, ladies. That's an interpretation. That's your autopilot, though. That's what I'm standing. I'm not saying that you're bad for feeling that way. You have a right to feel that way. But we also have a right to use our bechira, our free will, and say to ourselves, I'm just going to ignore that comment. I don't know where that came from, but I'm going to ignore that comment, and I'm not going to lash back. Instead, what I'm going to do, because I feel like we're going to get into a fight in a second, what I'm going to do is as follows. And I hope everybody's listening to this. I'm going to tell my husband to stop, to stop talking like this to me because I see this is going to get into a big fight and I'm not going to be able to react well. But I'm not going to tell him, stop talking to me like that's disgusting. I'm not going to tell him, go take out the forks yourself. I'm not going to tell him, how dare you speak to me like that, like that? Who do you think you are? What I'm going to tell him is what Hashem wants me to tell him. What I'm going to tell him is, you probably didn't mean to insult me, but I felt attacked by that comment. Ladies, I hope you're listening to me. Men, I hope you're listening to me because you're going to have an opportunity to do this. I guarantee you are going to have an opportunity to do this because this is what marriage is all about. Marriage is all about nisyonos. It's all about testing. Hashem is testing us. Hashem is testing our midos, our personality, our character. Hashem is giving us an opportunity to be like Him, to let go. The only way we could do this is if we think to ourselves, there must be some context here that I don't know about. So Moshe, Yaakov, Shlomo, you probably don't mean it, but the way you're talking to me right now, I'm starting to feel attacked. Now, he's going to say to you, I guarantee you, I'm not attacking you, I'm just telling you about the folks, I'm not attacking you. I know, Moshe, I know you don't mean it, but I'm telling you, the way I'm, you're talking to me, I'm starting to feel attacked. If you could rephrase yourself, maybe tell me how you can help me with the forks, something like that, I'm starting to feel unappreciated. It's not, it's not, it's not you, it's me. If you could do that, ladies, you're a tzaddikus. You're really a tzaddikus. If you could do that and say, it's not you, it's me, you're a tzaddikus. And I want to tell you something. You're not playing games with your husband. You're really not, because it is you. It is you. The reason it's you is because you feel unloved, unappreciated, uncared for. You have every right in the world to feel that way, but it's not the MS. The MS is that your husband does love you and does care about you. And if we speak about the context of where he's coming from and the context where you're coming from, he had no clue. Trust me. I deal with couples all the time. 95, maybe even 99%, I'm telling you, when you're getting upset at your spouse for an insult, for a shtach, for a nasty comment, 
I'm telling you, it didn't come from nastiness. The first comment came from a place where there was no context. Context. He didn't realize that you were stressed. He didn't realize that the kids weren't around to help you. He didn't realize how hard you worked. Trust me, he's not out to get you. And every time I speak to spouses about this issue, I ask the other spouse, right? I speak to the spouse who was the... Who's the suspect? The suspect who made the nasty comment. He said the shtucky thing. He said, "Oh, I, um, th- this Shabbos could we uh, maybe maybe this Shabbos you can you can have the Shabbos meal on time. The Shabbos, right? Like maybe this Shabbos? Are you implying that the other Shabbos I can't? And all you have to do is demand from me after everything that I do." Most of the time, I'm telling you, husbands don't hop. They don't get it. They don't get it. It's a very big difference between male and females. I'm telling you, psychologically proven that certain assumptions, getting it, the bina is not there. The bina, the man doesn't possess it. He doesn't hop these things. By the way, this is true sometimes the other way around. There are exceptions, and sometimes women don't hop either. Men, I know you're listening to this. Some men are thinking to themselves, my wife doesn't hop. That, those are exceptional cases. Generally, women do hop, and they do get it. And when they see that their husbands aren't getting it, it becomes frustrating. All you have to do is speak to me about the forks on the table. How about a thank you? How about I appreciate it? How about you must have worked so hard for this family? How about that? Why doesn't that come from your mouth? All you have to tell me is the forks. I'm telling you, ladies, he didn't get it. Judge your husband favorably. Judge your wife favorably. She didn't get it either. She doesn't understand all the stress that you went through today. She doesn't understand that you had to go to the mechanic and stand there for three hours because it was a last-minute thing and the mechanic wasn't available he made you crazy. She doesn't understand the bills that you're getting. She doesn't understand the stress that you're going on financially. She doesn't get all, this, all the bills. She it's, not, it's not the bills. Sometimes, by the way, it works the other way around. You could be cold families and... The woman's taking care of the bills. I'm not saying that it has to work either way. But what I am telling you is that we don't really hop at Bishas Maisa during the impasse. We all have our hats on. What happens is right away, it's fight or flight. You ever hear that term? Fight or flight. It's a defense mechanism. You can look it up online or whatever. Fight or flight means I'm, co- I'm going to defense, into my defense mode. You know how I get into defense modes? How do I cope? Two ways. Either I'm going to stonewall and ignore you or I'm going to lash out at you and I'm going to lose it completely. And when I see my spouse losing it, that when you see your spouse losing it, don't get entangled in that loss. Don't get entangled in that kas. Let it fizzle. Let it go. Bidan lekafschus, ladies. Bidan lekafschus, men. You're going to see. And here's a tool for you. Very important tool. Maybe I'll leave you with this today. We don't have much time. I don't know if we're going to have time to do other, the other pieces. Maybe next week we'll do the other pieces. And, and next week I also want to speak about how to pre- prevent most of, a lot of the impasses and how to help you be mevater. But today we're talking about down the kafskos. Today we're talking about judging favorably. Here's something I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, about judging favorably. You know what down the kafskos means? Listen to me, this is very important. Down the kafskos doesn't mean that, oh, you know what? My wife has, has a good reason to get upset, so I shouldn't get upset at her. Or my husband has a good reason to get upset. Or, oh, my, my husband, is uh, he insulted me in front of the kids. You know what? I'm sure there's a good reason for it. Or the, my, my wife insult, it contradicted me in front of my guests. Oh, I'm sure there's a good reason. That's not what being Mavatar is. Being, actually, I'm sorry. That's, that's not what Dean Dan Lekavschus really, really is, even though theoretically speaking, if you're on a very, very high level, that's what you could do. You could say, okay, I'm sure there's a reason for it. I'm not getting upset. 
That's like someone who really has complete master over his midos. And we should aim for that. By the way, we should definitely aim to be there. But it's not really realistic. You know, we hear this a million times. It's not really realistic. It's like, oh, I'm sure there's a good reason why my wife is so upset. I'm sure there's a good reason why my, my husband's upset. I'm sure there's a good reason why he just insulted me. I'm sure the reason a million times I ask him to give me money, leave me money because the kids don't have shoes and he just like ignores me like ten, five days in a row. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. It's not always realistic. But you know what is realistic? To be dan lekav schus. Think about the balance, right? It's like a scale. The same scale that Hashem has for us in Yom Adin, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. It's like a scale. It's the judge favorable scale and a judge detrimental scale, right? So maybe he's not right for what he just did, but it's not, it's not like he was out to get me. I'm sure there's a reason that he did why he did. If you would have to be your husband's lawyer in court, what would you say? What would you say if you were hired? I don't know if I would want to do that, Rabbi Greenfield. No, seriously. You're, you're, you're your husband's lawyer in court. Why would you tell the jury? You would say, you're right. My husband, you're right. He insulted. But at the end of the day, he had a really hard day. So maybe it came from a displacement of stress. So he let it out. He let it out on his wife, right? If you were learning, right? So why? Because you're trying to judge favorably. You're trying to tip the scale in a favorable way. We want Hashem to tip the scale in a favorable way for us. So I'm leaving you with this tool, ladies. To, next week we're going to talk about all the beautiful things you could do for your husband, for your wife, to prevent and to allow you to be mavater. But now I'm telling you this tool which you could bring into, into your marriage. I'm telling you it could happen today. It could have, it'll happen this week. Where you feel also an attack, you feel criticized, you feel like, whoa, what's going on? Also with your kids. Really, this with your kids. And that is to say, I know you probably didn't mean that, you probably didn't mean that, but I, I, felt, I, I felt hurt by that comment. I felt criticized by that comment. I felt attacked. With kids, obviously, you don't talk like that. With kids, I, Moshe, I know you didn't mean to, but the place is flying, and if you could put it together, that mommy would be very happy. That's the way you try to speak to a child. But to your husband, I know you didn't mean that. I know you didn't mean to insult me with those forks, but I really, I'm really starting to feel unappreciated. If you could rephrase yourself, what do you mean? He's going to give you the business. I'm telling you, your, wife, your husband's going to give you the business. Why is he going to give you the business? What do you mean? If you could rephrase yourself, that would be great. Or just be mavat, or just ignore the comment. If you can ignore the comment, ignore the comment and move on. But if it's going to eat you up alive the whole Shabbos meal, you're not going to be able to have a normal Shabbos meal, call him to the side and say, I know you didn't mean a Moshe, I know you didn't mean a Chana, but that comment made me feel very uncomfortable. But it's important to say, I know you didn't mean it. Thank you so much for listening to Rabbi Yitzhak Greenfield. If you have any questions, 91, feedback, 917 397 2841. 917 397 2841. Thank you and have. An amazing, great, and successful week.